Hello, everybody, and welcome into the That's Good podcast. I am your host, James Finnerell, here to preview the 2022 RBC Canadian Open. Before diving into the preview for this week's event, we have a few different items to look at here, starting with a recap of last week's event, the Memorial Tournament, where Billy Horschel ended up taking home the victory. He went into that final round on Sunday with a nice cushion, and he capitalized on it. Whenever he was slightly wavering throughout the round, he quickly sealed it back up and righted the ship there. And especially with that eagle on 15 to go up four, he completely locked it up there. He was fired up. He shot even par on Sunday, which is all he had to do to secure himself the victory. Had that nice celebration on 18 with his family, which is really nice to see. And that makes it his seventh PGA Tour victory. And obviously, a casual PGA Tour fan might not know a ton about Billy Horschel, but if you listen to this show, you know he does not fly under the radar here. He's been in our best bets, our dark horse segments, multiple times on this show. So I know how good of a golfer he is, and hopefully the rest of the golf fandom will soon realize that as well. So that this is a huge win for Billy Horschel. The Memorial Tournament, as I said, one of, if not the biggest, non-major tournament on the schedule. So big congratulations to Billy Horschel, and I can't wait to see what he brings to the U.S. Open in just a week from now. Now, I thought this was going to be a lighter podcast as the RBC Canadian Open is right before a major. The field is not quite as stacked, but we had perhaps the busiest news week in golf history, maybe. So I have a few different items here, starting off with the Saudi-backed Live Golf Series, which will have their first event this week in London. It is a 54-hole event, meaning it will be played Thursday through Saturday instead of a four-round 72-hole event. And some of the big storylines here, Phil Mickelson came out with a statement earlier this week on social media. He apologized again for his comments and then said he's ready to return to the game and he's thrilled to start with Live Golf. And he also plans to play the majors, is what he said. And reportedly, he was offered around $200 million just to go play in the Live Golf series. But he, I don't believe he has resigned from the PGA Tour quite yet, unlike multiple other players, which I'll get into very shortly. And this is huge. As I still, as I said, Phil Mickelson is probably considered the second biggest face in the game of golf behind Tiger Woods. And it's just crazy after the comments he had and then the silence for a while. We were wondering when he would come back. Now he bursts onto the scene and we're going to see him play this week. And then potentially if he wants to play the majors, we might see him at the U.S. Open. So this will be interesting as Phil Mickelson is definitely a draw here and see what type of viewers he brings to the Live Golf Series. But the biggest storyline I'd say is him bursting onto the scene here as the Live Golf Series heats up this week. Another major one that we mentioned last week is that Dustin Johnson will also be joining Liv, but we learned yesterday that he resigned from the PGA Tour, stating that this is the best decision for him and his family, and he was reportedly offered around $125 million to just join Liv Golf, which, to give you some frame of reference here, is more than Tiger Woods has earned on the course over his career, and obviously we know him as one of the best and most successful golfers of all time. DJ also expressed that he would like to play the majors and was definitely disappointed that he is not going to be able to play the Ryder Cup and he expressed that he still wants to play that someday and he doesn't make up the rules and we'll see how this all plays out but he is definitely interested in playing the majors and the Ryder Cup but 
as I said, Phil is the biggest name for this league specifically, but DJ is definitely the biggest current star that's still in his prime that entered this league. DJ can still compete with the best of the best. He might be on what I would consider the back half of his prime, I would say, because he's not far removed from being the best player in golf, but he's definitely on the back nine, if you will, here of his prime before he has maybe a serious decline. So DJ is a huge get for Live Golf as a guy who can still play at the highest level here. And I think if there's going to be a domino effect with this league, aka having more stars come to the game, it's going to be because a guy like DJ has made the choice to come over there. That might inspire other guys of his caliber to come over there, get a big payday, and join Live Golf. And then looking at the other resignees of the PGA Tour, including Sergio Garcia, Louis Oosthuizen, Graham McDowell, Kevin Na, Brandon Grace, Charles Schwartzel. And the interesting thing about these guys resigning from the PGA Tour, it might be something to do with a loophole here, whereas they have resigned from the Tour instead of being suspended by the Tour. That might keep the window open for them if this Live Golf Series does not work out. So I thought that was really interesting that a handful of these guys have just fully resigned from the PGA Tour. And as I said, I don't think Phil Mickelson has quite yet. Then you look specifically with this league, it's going to be a team format. And they came up with a bunch of these crazy team names for this first event, including the Fireballs, the Four Aces, the Niblicks, and the High Flyers, which Phil Mickelson is the captain of. And unique names, to say the least, but I just really want to see how this format plays out. And time will tell if this is a well-run league and well-thought-out or if it seems like it's kind of going out on a whim here and that money is really the only appeal to join this league. So only time will tell there, but I'm going to give it a chance. I'm going to watch some of the event this week and follow it moving forward to see if this is something that can gain traction. This transitions us right into our next storyline about the U.S. Open. The USGA came out with a statement yesterday saying they pride themselves on being the most open tournament of the year and they don't believe players that decided to play in the live golf event should be pulled out from the U.S. Open. And this is specifically regarding the 22 U.S. Open. So who knows what will happen down the road with future U.S. Opens and if players who join this series will be able to play. But for this year, they have the green light for guys that are allowed slash exempt to play in that tournament. So you know Phil and DJ have exemptions for the U.S. Open. So it begs the question, will these guys go right from playing live golf one week to then going to Brookline, the country club, to play the U.S. Open the following week? That would be crazy. I, I think they will, honestly, as they both express that they'd like to play the majors. And this could be the big storyline boost that we need for this U.S. Open because that also transitions me right into my next storyline is that Tiger Woods will not be at the U.S. Open, the biggest name in golf, saying he needs more time to get his body ready and believing that he is just preparing to get ready for the Open Championship at St. Andrews, a course that he loves. And I'm not stunned by this. If there was going to be a major that he was going to miss, it was probably going to be the U.S. Open, especially after seeing what he looked like at Southern Hills. Made the cut, as we had in our best bets, but he's really limping around there. He looked like he was in some pretty severe pain. So I'm not shocked that he is going to take off the U.S. Open and give himself more time to get ready for the Open Championship. And with regards to Live Golf, Tiger Woods has reportedly turned down the offer to join that series and Greg Norman did an interview which the Washington Post and he is the CEO of Live Golf saying that they offered Tiger Woods a quote mind-blowingly enormous end quote 
amount to join the league and he specified that it was in the high nine figures so that is a crazy number but it could be a crazy range too i would say mid nine figures is 500 ish million dollars so i'd say this range of high nine figures has to be anywhere in the ballpark of 600 to 900 million dollars just to join that league that's how deep these pockets are for this league and who knows what the actual number was but that is what greg norman said in his interview was the offer for tiger woods to join the league so i'm not stunned that tiger woods denied that offer as there's so much uncertainty about this league and then especially during his recovery here as he has an uncertain future in golf in general so why necessarily would he join this league despite such a huge offer i think he's going to see how this league shapes up and eventually maybe he will but i i don't see it for now but that's it for the outside storylines there as i said i expected this to be kind of a lighter show but then we had this huge news week in golf but those are our storylines and we'll move right into the canadian open now your last winner is rory mcelroy he won this tournament in 2019 which was the last time it was played this tournament will be played at St. George's Golf and Country Club in Toronto, a par 70, a little over 7,000 yards. And this course has hosted five Canadian Opens, the most recent being in 2010. Your architect is Stanley Thompson with a renovation slash restoration led by Ian Andrew in 2019. Looking at metrics, guys, who should play well here, they have very small greens throughout this course. So... Short game specialists are going to fare very well here. It's not going to be a place where you're going to be hitting all 18 greens by any means. So guys who can get up and down should fare extremely well this week. And then also looking many tree-lined fairways here, many difficult looking tee shots. So accurate drivers of the golf ball should also do well with this specific course. And then also as you look at just over 7,000 yards, this is not a long course at all. But all the par threes being over 200 yards, now you have to look at guys who can strike their long irons well. And that would definitely help people succeed here. Then you have some manageable par fives that players should be able to take advantage of. But the biggest thing, as I started out with, is short game specialists will do well here. You have to be able to clean up when you miss those greens. Now, looking at our betting angles, our favorites via the DraftKings Sportsbook, starting with Scotty Scheffler and Justin Thomas at 7-1. to one. Rory McIlroy at 8-1, Cam Smith at 10-1, Matt Fitzpatrick and Shane Lowry at 16-1, Sam Burns at 18-1, and Terrell Hatton at 20-1. Now our best bets from last week, we went 2-2, two for two, which was really nice after barely missing both of our plays the week before. Good to have a perfect week on best bets, starting with Patrick Cantlay over Cam Smith. This looked tough at first, as I pointed out Cam Smith's rough history at Mirfield Village. He came out firing, and he was at the top of the leaderboard after round one or two. But Cantlay just stuck it out with his consistency and finished tied for third, while Cam Smith had a really rough day on Sunday, and Cantlay just zoomed right by him. So that was a nice matchup to hit there, full unit play. And then our second one was Jordan Spieth, top 20. He finished tied for 18th. This was an up-and-down affair for Spieth, I would say. Went astray off the tee many times, as he's kind of been known to do having to save himself from these very difficult spots. But he snuck in to that top 20 for us on the last day, and we'll take it. Now, this week, I just have one play here, but it's a matchup. I'm taking Terrell Hatton, minus 108 over Tony Finau. 
and Hatton is the underdog in this matchup as Finau is minus 118. So I love the value here as I think, if anything, it should be the other way around and Hatton should be a slight favorite, but this should be a close matchup anyway. So I think this will be a fun one to see how it plays out. But I like Hatton's overall game for this week. He can go a little bit astray off the tee and on approach, but he has a really nice short game to fall back on. And he's been playing some really nice golf. He hasn't missed the cut since early December. And he's had a handful of top 10s and top 25s on both the PGA and the European Tour. And the last time we saw him, he finished tied for 13th at the PGA Championship, which was maybe the biggest example of you need to have a good short game to save yourself there. And that really came in handy for him. So I expect him to do the same this week at St. George's. And we don't really have a reference or course history for, for Hatton here. And that's the same with pretty much every guy that's playing in this as the most recent event here was in 2010. So you can't really use course history to pit against someone or to use as a reason to support them. So then you have Tony Finau, who he's been stepping it up a little bit. I'm still not quite sold on his consistent accuracy. As I mentioned when I faded him in a previous podcast, I think it might have been against Will Zalatoris at the PGA, which was an easy cash. But if Finau displays more consistent accuracy this week, then I might start buying into him because I do believe that at some point in midsummer he will start peaking. But for now, I like Hatton this specific week over Tony Finau at a nice number, minus 108. And I forgot to mention this can be found on FanDuel. Now, looking at our pick to win from last week, we had Xander Shoffley. He finished tied for 18th. He was in decent shape early on in the tournament, but just had too many, too many blow-up holes there to be able to contend with guys like Billy Horschel up towards the top. And I'll take that as an all right winner pick. You'd like to get him in the top 20, even more preferred to get him in the top 10, as you usually make those plays with the winner pick. But a fine one there. But without further ado, we have Shane Lowry as our pick to win this week at 16-1. to He's been in a handful of our shows lately, and it's no surprise why. He's just playing about as well as anyone right now. He's been inside the top 35 in all of his events since the turn of 2022, and his game sets up for most courses, quite frankly, but especially here. An accurate ball striker. His strokes gained off the tee and approach are almost always positive. And that's why we took him in our top 20 at the RBC Heritage, and he easily cashed there. But then also, as I said, the big separator here, short game. Top 10 in total putting and top 20 in strokes gained putting, according to PGATour.com. So this guy can certainly get up and down when he misses the greens, and I expect him to do that this week. And that's why I like him as the pick to win. But I also would recommend maybe playing him top 20 is minus 150. It's a little bit of juice to squeeze, but I think he's definitely a lock for a top 20 there, but I like Shane Lowry as my pick to win this week, 16 to one. Now, our dark horse pick from last week was Corey Connors, finished tied for 13th. He started out the week as a 65 to one pick. So I would take this as a very successful dark horse pick as he outperformed our pick to win. Anytime you can get your dark horse in the top 40, top 20 is nice, but in the top 15 is even better there. So Corey Connors, successful pick and now I'm going to throw a little wild card at you. I'm taking Sahit Thagala at 65-1. to 1. Now looking at the dark horse range for this week is quite different than last week as I got the same number on Corey Connors last week at the Memorial Tournament that I'm getting on Thagala here. So that shows you how different the field is in terms of the strength here. 
But Thigala, coming off a great showing at the Memorial, finished tied for fifth, gained strokes in all areas, but he had a very exceptional week on approach. And we are seeing in his young career, when he hits his irons well, he can do some damage. Citing some examples here, the WM Phoenix Open, Valspar Championship, and then Memorial last week. So I'm, I'm a little bit worried about his inconsistent putting, but if he's striking his irons well like he did last week, he can be up there towards the top. So this is a very volatile dark horse pick. I'll say that right away. Some of my dark horse picks are safer than others. I could see him either missing the cut or being in the top 10 here, but we'll take the gamble right before a major championship here at the RBC Canadian Open. And also, I think the field not having much experience at this course should play into his hand as most of the courses that he plays, he has less experience than the field, but that doesn't matter. This, I mean, that doesn't happen this week as almost no one has true, true experience at this course. So, so get the gala as my dark horse pick this week at 65 to one. That just about wraps up our preview of the RBC Canadian Open. I'll be back next week with a preview of the US Open. And of course, I will be monitoring any of the other big storylines and we'll get into those next week. Thank you guys so much for tuning in and I'll catch you next time on the That's Good Podcast.